Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. I get a lot of messages from horse owners around the world asking about things like finding a trustworthy hoof care professional, how to tell if what you're trying on your horse's feet is pushing things in the right direction, and even how to talk to your hoof care provider about concerns. I decided to coordinate a group call with mentors and board members of Progressive Hoof Care Practitioners, PHCP, the organization I'm a part of, tackling these topics but also addressing some aspects of what we believe to be important parts of education and what courses PHCP offers for their students. Awesome. Well, I figured that we could start and everyone can just go around and introduce themselves and say how you're associated with PHCP. I don't know if Leslie wanted to start. Sure. I'm Leslie Carrig, and I'm now the president of PHCP. I'm one of the founding members, so I've been with the organization from the very beginning, back in 2008. Um, I've done a lot of different jobs through the years, and I was a mentor for many years. I retired from trimming a few years ago, and I've recently retired as a mentor, and I'm just working in the background, keeping the wheels going. Perfect. All right, does Janine want to go? Okay, I'm Janine McCurry. I'm a mentor and clinician for PHCP. I also serve on the board as a chair for the education committee. And I am behind the scenes for the webinars. I've been with PHCP since 2009. And I think that's it. Perfect. Um, How about Maya? Sure. My name's Maya. And I joined the PHCP, I believe it was 2017. As a student, I finished my certification in 2018, and then I went on to become a mentor in 2020, I guess, or late 2019. And I'm also on the education committee and the board of directors. Awesome. And then Chris. Hi, my name's Chris Krieger, and I am a trimmer in Vermont, and I've been with PHCP as a student starting six years ago, and then um, became certified. I think it took me two or three years to become certified through. um, And then I also became a mentor around the same time that Maya did. I also serve on the board and as a member of the education committee and sometimes host webinars as well as present them. Awesome. So we have a variety of things that we want to talk about, um, but I thought that we could kick off with some topics geared more towards owners to start. Um, And I hear a lot from owners who are concerned about finding the best person and approach for their horse and their horse's hooves. You know, obviously a lot of owners are worried when they come to, like when they're looking for a new trimmer, a new farrier, that they're going to hire someone that's going to be capable and do a good job and keep their horses sound. And this might be a tough question, but how can owners be sure that who they're hiring is someone who is going to be a good person to work with their horse? 
I would say the first question that I would ask a new hoof care professional is what do you do for continuing education? Because that's definitely what we focus on in PHCP is that you don't just go through the certification program and then you're done learning. Every one of us continues our education beyond certification, beyond becoming a mentor. So that would be a question as a horse owner that I would ask straight away is what do you do every year to continue your education? I think that's a good one. Anybody else have anything? There are some people who've been barefoot trimmers, say, since back in the day when it was first invented, (laughs) but they're still trimming that 20-year-old trim that we have seen evolve and moved beyond to make it much more efficient. I hate to say that it's a much, much faster progress because then everybody thinks it's just a quick fix. But it's, it's like we've learned so much more about the internal structures in the hoof and how to build them. So some of these old timers who have never kept up with continuing education may still be doing that 20-year-old trim that doesn't realize the importance of caudal hoof development or the importance of you may need to use a hoof boot, but the more you use it, the quicker you may not have to use it. That type of stuff. Yeah. Or they're not up with the latest on, on diet. You know, years ago, we were concerned with the WSC or the NSC values. And now we've learned from research that it's the ESC and starch that we need to look at. So it's constantly changing. Yeah. And I'm sure in, in five years, some of the things we're doing now will be dated. But as long as we continue to strive to learn and do better for our clients and our own horses... I think that's a wonderful thing that PHCP is trying to promote that importance into our, our practitioners. Yeah. And that kind of brings about another question that I have, um, or that I've heard from people who have reached out to me is, you know, how can we judge if the approach that is being used is not working for the horse? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, it's a big question. There's so many factors involved. Is the approach not working because the diet isn't quite right? Is the approach not working because of something else management wise? Or is it the trim? Is there an underlying metabolic problem? So there, it's multifactorial for sure. So I think it's important to to be assessing all of those factors when deciding if the approach is working or not. But as far as the trim goes, I think really, I know I personally, and I think safe to say I speak for most of us, that we want to see the horses as comfortable or more comfortable after the trim as they were before. So we want to see that the horse agrees with what we're doing. Because if the horse doesn't agree with how you're trimming, you have to listen to that because ultimately he's the one who has to walk around on the feet. Yeah. And I, I'd just like to add that it's really important for owners to ask for some references because, you know, they've got a lot of clients and if they can give you some names and, you know, you can check with them and that's really going to tell you how successful that trimmer has been with, you know, a variety of different horses. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think to add to that as well, the person who's helping you manage everything, trimming and diet and all of that should be very open to discussing it. And they should be very open to taking feedback and 
trying to help you problem solve if things don't seem to be going the right way. It's it's really important that you have that open line of communication with the practitioner and that they're willing to to explore it if things aren't going well. Yeah, and that's something else that I wanted to mention is I know a lot of people seem almost scared to talk to their hoof care provider about things they're concerned about or you know, if they're not really seeing the improvement they want. So do you have any tips or do any of you have any tips for maybe how to approach your hoof care provider if you're worried that maybe the horse isn't making the improvements that you'd want to see? I would say that a good way, and this is just me, I'm kind of a diplomatic person by nature. (laughs) I like to keep things smooth if I can. And something that will help to not get somebody's hackles up is just say to them, straight out what the facts are, you know, if your horse was sore after a trim, say to the the trimmer and preferably as soon as possible afterwards, because they may want to help you come out and give you some boots or glue some shoes on your horse or something, but give them the opportunity to, to fix the problem. If it was a mistake they made, or if it was something as simple as I forgot to tell the owner forgot to tell the hoof care provider that we just put them out on pasture you know, 24 seven for the first time this spring, you know, those are things that are important for the hoof care provider to know. But I would say being honest and upfront and letting, keeping your hoof care provider in the loop. Don't wait till five or six weeks later to tell them that the horse was sore for two weeks after the trim, which would be a big red flag. And also keep them in the loop as far as if you have the vet out for anything, get the hoof care provider involved because sometimes that's the best the best way to have a good outcome for your horse is to involve some diagnostic tools. You know, ask your hoof care provider, do you need me to get radiographs? Do you need me to have blood work done? That kind of support can really make or break some of the tough cases that we see. Yeah. I actually, I know that I prefer, I hate to say this, but I prefer a certain way to have a conversation with an owner. Like if an owner comes out sort of on the offensive and is like, you know, if they kind of approach me as if I did something wrong, which honestly absolutely might be true. I might've done something wrong, but if I feel attacked, I'm more likely to get defensive than if it just comes at me like a curious, like, Hey, this happened. What could it be? Like, what might we do to fix this? Then I'm much more willing to have a conversation and not be defensive. And that obviously says a lot about me too, but (laughs) I think that's everybody though, Alicia. I I don't think that you're alone in that. And I think that is a great takeaway for horse owners is to try not to be on the offensive because then you're going to automatically put your hoof care provider on the defensive and they may not be able to do their best work when they're feeling that way. That's not to say that you shouldn't say anything if something is wrong. You are your horse's mouthpiece and you do need to say something. However, it doesn't mean that you have to be accusatory or, like you're saying, offensive right from the get-go. I try to keep uh, open communication with my clients, whether they're there or not when I trim. If they're not there, I'll shoot them a text letting them know this and this was what I saw today. If I see anything interesting, I take pictures. So if, for example, I see a little bit of stretch in a white line that's not normally there or a squared off hind toe, like the horse was dragging. I try to take a picture to send to the client so that they can physically see what I'm talking about. 
as well as also put it into my own file so I can remember when that incident happened. And if the people are there while I'm swimming, I do the same thing, but I can actually have a a more open face-to-face right in the moment conversation about it. And I think when people see that, it lets them know that I really do care about your horse and I'm interested in knowing why did this happen? They may not have noticed it, but I noticed it. And, you know, for certain things, of course, you'd want to have a veterinary opinion evaluation come in quickly. And for other things, you might just want to say, hmm, let's file that away and keep track of it and see what happens when I'm here in four weeks. And that, I think, lets them know you're a little more open to communication. Yeah. After chatting for a bit, we decided to talk about PHCP as an organization and what we focus on and what courses and factors we view as important to a hoof care education. It might sound like a PHCP infomercial at times, but we all just love the organization, so tend to get excited when talking about it. Remember that PHCP has an emphasis on trimming and properly managing bare feet. And obviously, everybody here is sort of involved in the behind the scenes of PHCP and everything that it takes to run a hoof care organization that is now international, you know, around the world. Um, So I thought it'd be great to chat a little bit about what that entails and hoof care education in general and, you know, some things to think about when you're a part of an organization. So first, I guess one question that I have that I I think I know bits and pieces too as a member of PHCP myself, but uh, what inspired the founding members of PHCP to begin the organization? I don't know who wants to kind of kick that off. Well, I was a founding member, so I'll give that one a shot. (laughs) We were actually the Pacific region for the AANHCP, American Association of Natural Healthcare Practitioners, and that was Jamie Jackson's original organization. Because So we were the California and Nevada made up that region, and we had a lot of members because there were so many trimmers in California at that time. That organization went through a big transition, and we decided as a region that we wanted to stay together. So that's kind of how Originally, we were called Pacific Hoof Care Practitioners. That's how we got started. We kind of, some of us hadn't finished our certification like myself. And I think there was about eight of us that just got together and decided to stick together and kind of base a training program on what we had been going through with AANHCP. I don't know if One of you could maybe summarize kind of the philosophy of PHCP in the hoof care approach so it makes more sense as to how these different courses are incorporated. Yeah, so I think, I mean, there's the definitely looking at the whole horse approach. So we're looking at the diet, which we already talked about a little bit. The environment is also super important. So some of the the core courses are covering that information. And then the other aspect of it I think is really interesting is that once you're, you know, aside from the core courses doing the mentorships is that you're traveling around working with different people who may have slightly different approaches to how they trim. So you get a really wide variety of experience while you're going through the program. I think on the same note, I think the other aspect is just, you know, that your mentors will encourage you to go work with people who are in a similar environment to you so that you learn 
different approaches that may help you if you're in a muddy environment versus going to work with somebody who's in a dry environment. But it's also nice to to have that flexibility to be able to go, maybe go outside what you know and work with somebody who who is in a completely different environment so that you learn to to see how things are approached differently and how much environment affects the feet. Obviously, all of us are PHCP members, so we're all a part of an organization. But do you think that it is vital for people to find a, a hoof care provider that's a part of an organization? Like, is it a necessary requirement when you're looking? I would say that it's definitely, um, it should be a strong asset because you know that person has, for one, the continuing education. They've had some sort of peer-reviewed certification process where they have more than one person looking at their ability to say, yes, you know, you're doing a good job and you're competent with your clients. I, I think it's hard to say it's a deal breaker because one of the biggest issues is there just are not enough certified practitioners out there. And we get, you know, emails all the time for people looking for someone in a certain area. And, you know, that's that's sort of our goal to try to get more certified people out there. But there's a lot of holes out there where there just aren't people. And, you know, and that's where I think asking for references can be useful if you don't can't find someone in an organization. Like Maya said, it really says a lot about the practitioner, if they are part of an organization, they're interested in keeping current and, you know, the fact that they have been reviewed and it does say a lot about them. And hopefully more and more people will be certified in the future. It is growing pretty fast, but we have a ways to go. I I also see being on the enrollment committee, we get students who come in at all different levels. And some of the ones who come in as professionals may have been trimming for, say, 10 years. But once you start doing the interview, you see that there's a lot of gaps in their education. So they may be doing a decent trim, but by having that education and working with different mentors and having the required coursework, we can fill in gaps where they may never have taken a course about insulin resistance and and PPID, but they kind of know about diet, but they don't know about you know, the other diseases, which are pretty related. So, you know, there's holes where they don't know how to really read a radiograph because they've never really been taught to really read the fine details of a radiograph to help you improve the hoof health. Yeah. And that's actually what I was going to kind of jump into next is, uh, obviously I, I've recently joined with uh, helping the enrollment committee and also have seen people that have been trimming for much longer than I have who are looking to join PHCP. And so maybe I know that Janine, you just talked a lot about this, but maybe anybody else would like to talk about some of the benefits for pros that already have an established business. You know, why would they want to join an organization after they've already established themselves? I was a professional for a few years before I started. And for me, one of the biggest things that I was looking for was a network, um, a community of people who are like-minded, but varied. You know, I, I really appreciate that about PHCP is that we are a diverse group as far as where we live and what we do and what we focus on. And having that kind of hive mind mentality, you know, being able to go on the forum and ask questions, post pictures, 
And also just to all get together when we're able to have our in-person conferences, that is something that really lights your fire when you get to go and learn all together like that. It really helps keep us from burning out, (laughs) to be honest, in, in this industry. So that was why I joined was for the community. Well said. Yeah, I'm on the enrollment committee also and do communicate a lot with professionals that very often they're they're just really so excited if they do go in. When a professional joins, we don't make them start from the beginning, obviously. We just kind of look for the holes like Janine was saying and, you know, get get those filled out and have them go and do a mentorship. And, you know, that mentor decides if they're ready to post a final presentation and get certified if they feel like they should do another mentorship. And they are usually so excited after that mentorship day because for the most part, a lot of them have been working in their own little spot and not really interacting with other mentors. And it, it is, you learn from each other and it, it really does get people excited. If I could just piggyback off of that too, one thing I was going to add is that the Adding in the business classes has been one of the things that I was really um, excited about because I noticed even just taking on a student here or there that some of the questions that brand new hoof trimmers would ask is, how do I file my taxes? How do I keep track of all my expenses? You know, what are tax write-offs? How, you know, a lot of people are very, if you're not, if you don't come from a business background, that can be very daunting. And I watched a couple of new trimmers kind of like flounder a little bit in their first year of trying to figure out how to manage a business as well as, you know, doing the actual hoof trimming. Sometimes that's the easy part. It's the scheduling and the keeping your records and inventory and all of that that gets um, some new people kind of tripped up. So I was really glad that we started that. And I'm looking forward to continuing that part of our program and maybe growing it more, having uh, different people come in and talk about different ways to, to run this, to run a business, because there's many ways to do it. And it's, it's definitely something I think that new trimmers need. Yeah, that was one of the first elective webinars I took was the business one, (laughs) even when I wasn't sure I was going to have a business. But it was really helpful just to kind of get my mind thinking about the different ways to even just set up your business officially. Like, did I want to do an LLC or an S Corp? And how did I want to, you know, keep track of all my invoices or my, you know, income and payments. And it was really helpful. Some of my favorite things about PHCP is that there are so many things that the organization focuses on in education. It's not just trimming the foot. It's not, you know, just learning how to use your tools, but there's a holistic approach of looking at diet and metabolic issues and even adding in more glue on stuff and booting. So I don't know if one of you wants to mention maybe the significance of some of these other aspects of the education so it's not just trimming. Yeah. Well, I know when I started with PHCP in 2009, there wasn't a lot out there talking about diet as much as there is today in relationship to insulin resistance and founder with laminitis and all of that. Like, um, like some of the books that were out there talked about the trim, the trim, the trim, 
and a healthy diet, but they didn't necessarily really go into what a healthy diet was. And so that was one really big shift that I've noticed in change of, of relating that to the trim as we've realized over the years of just how important it is. It's not just about the trim, it's the whole horse. So you can't trim your way out of founder. So aligning ourselves with other organizations such as Dr. Callen's ECIR group has really, I think, helped pull the PHCP style, so to say, of trimming ahead in that forefront of mixing the whole horse together, the diet, the lifestyle, the trim, the boot, the glue on, the cast, the frequency, the whole nine yards. It wasn't just come, do what you got to do and leave the rest up to the horse owner to figure out for themselves. Yeah, exactly. And I, I really appreciated knowing what, like coming to a foot and knowing what might not actually be attributed to the way the foot's being trimmed, but something else internal going on. And I think that has given me a lot more confidence in being able to talk to owners and say, you know, this, I can't fix this with a trim. This needs to be addressed by what you do as an owner. And so that's something that I've been really appreciative of in my PHCP education. And so obviously there's the, the diet course that's a part of it. There's a separate metabolic course. I mean, I think everybody that listens to the podcast knows that I don't work with metal. And, you know, I like having that option of gluons. Some owners don't want to deal with boots, so then I can give them another option and not just feel limited in having to refer them elsewhere if I can't fix it in a trim or can't, you know, give the horse enough comfort in just a trim. So was that something that the organization decided to add on more recently, the gluon aspect? I think really where the gluon clinics first started were when Easy Care was doing them when they first came out with the gluon boots. And, you know, one thing that people may have noticed is what we do is also utilize clinics and webinars around us that, you know, align with what we're teaching rather than recreating the wheel. So, you know, that was the clinic that we gave credit for and recommended people went to. But they, but then uh, Saucity uh, from Wild Hearts, she was doing a clinic also after that for a while. And then really Philip just up doing, doing his clinics now. Philip Himanka. And they are not a requirement yet, you know, and, and that may be something that evolves over time because there are some of our practitioners that never use them. You know, there are others that use them a lot. Um, so it, it seems to be sort of regional, but, you know, you never know. That might be something that we require. One thing we found is if we offer clinic, you know, we require basics, but People are just so hungry to learn that a lot of times you can just offer everyone that's going to utilize is going to go and take that. Yeah, absolutely. And this, well, so the last question that I had, and I I don't know if anybody else wanted to think of any more things that I might have missed that might be good. The last question I had is that for those who are, you know, thinking about looking up more ways to educate themselves, joining an organization, looking for continuing education opportunities, what avenues do you look to for continuing education? If anyone wants to expand on 
where to find some good continuing education opportunities? Well, we have a resource page on the PHCP webpage that has a lot of reputable sources, whether it be a trimming DVD or different books, even where to purchase low feed or hay nets. That's a good place to start. And then on the forum too, there's always the networking of how to locate different things. Because I know like for finding safe feeds, well, what feed you can get in your neighborhood, I can't necessarily get in my neighborhood. So if you need to feed a horse a specific diet, that could be a great way to find out how to get that particular food in your area. And I just mentioned our clinics, they're open to everyone. So people don't have to be a member to attend those and they can go to our calendar page and see what events are happening. We tend to do the webinars a lot more through the winter when people are inside and have a little bit more time to be online doing those. So for members, mentorships are just gold. And I'm just myself really excited about our new mentors, Christina and Maya, who just bring a whole new level of information. So even beyond certification, people can come and work with mentors. Yeah. And I think that's something that I think all of us have talked about before in that there's not really one guru or one person who has it all figured out, um, which would be nice because I would like all the answers. But (laughs) I like that that kind of mindset in this organization is everyone has maybe a slightly different approach, but that doesn't mean it's wrong or that, you know, someone can't try something new. When you work with different mentors, you also get to see different approaches to client base. So does somebody do a lot of competitive forces in, say, the English world or Western competitive world, uh, endurance or backyard pets, you know, family members? Sometimes there's different needs for different areas. For example, like if somebody's in a show world and they're not allowed to use a boot that comes above the hairline, you need to use a, a different type of of protection possibly sometimes you don't you know depending on the type of footing that the horse is going in and the health level of that particular foot so i think that's nice to get also the different you know business health so to say of how to handle different types of clients and client needs yeah so i think on that note too what the other benefit to the continuing education and the clinics that we offer is that they're, as Leslie said, they're open to the public, but we also open our arms to horse owners joining the organization to have access to the private forum. Even if you never want to be a professional trimmer, maybe you trim, you know, your own horses and you trim for a couple friends, you can still have access to everything without having to go through the full certification process. So that's another big benefit to the PHCP is there's no push to accomplish any level and that we even welcome other farriers, vets, any other kind of practitioner that's interested in being part of that conversation, anything to do with the whole horse approach. And the program doesn't have a deadline of how quickly you need to go through it. You could go through it at whatever pace you're comfortable with doing. So, you know, however much time and money that you have to devote to doing certain things to get you through the program each year, you don't have to get it done in, you know, 2.5 years. Right. 
And I think that's a huge benefit, too, that it's not like you're trying to cram all this education into, you know, three weekends or something. Um, and you can kind of ruminate on it and go back over it and review things. And then your next mentorship, you can talk about things that you've learned in the last X amount of months, even since the last time you did one or um, it's really a unique kind of setup. I think also it's nice because I know not everybody has the resources to go ahead and do several traveling mentorships every year. I know for me, that wasn't the case. You know, when I was doing it, I definitely had to budget for travel, which is a wonderful part of the program. I think traveling to different mentors, seeing different parts of the country, to me, that was a huge perk of it. But it does cost money. And the nice thing about not having a timeline is you can make it fit your budget. Do we want to mention the scholarship program? Yeah, I mean, I could talk about that a little bit. During COVID, we actually had a massive increase in membership. I guess people had time to go online and discover that we were around because we've always hovered around 100 members and we're at about 300 now. That's given financial ability to really give back and help our students to complete the training program. We've done a couple different things. Um, One of our board members, Ruthie, she put together a scholarship committee and we had our first scholarship round this past year. We'll be planning to do another one next year and hopefully every year. We also really decreased the cost of mentorship day from $150 for a student to $100 a day, and at the same time, increase the payment to our mentors who have a lot of their time doing these mentorship days. And so we pay them some extra money for those. So we've made that, you know, we've held our clinic costs for our beginning clinics down at a really low price and just supported our clinicians more. So yeah, I just wanted to mention those things. We're, we're doing our best to keep it as affordable as can be. We're also trying to have clinics in different regions more often to help cut costs or even time needed to participate in the clinic because you don't have to waste so much time traveling if it's a little closer to you. So that, I think, has been a great benefit, too, that's been coming through the past few years. Yeah. And and like Leslie, you mentioned, it's not like you guys are out to just make a huge profit. And isn't isn't PHCP a certified nonprofit? Isn't it a 501c3? Yes. Yeah. So that's something that I also liked, too, that I knew it wasn't just one person who was running a program and, you know, trying to get as much (laughs) as many uh, people to sign up and and profit from it. But it's really about the education. One of the greatest benefits I found going through when I was a student was I really liked how I got to learn something from a specific person. And then I got to go home and practice it on however many horses needed that particular thing done with them. And you got to see who it was working on and who it wasn't working on, which is not something you're going to get when you go to one of those, you know, say three or six week courses, you don't necessarily see the outcome of your work. So you don't know if lowering that heel was the smartest thing to do for that horse or, you know, whatever you've done, you get to really chart and watch the progress go through 
And that's even part about testing process is we need you to watch a horse go through three cycles. So we see what's happening in that duration of time that you're not just staying stagnant, that there is forward movement in what you're learning. You know, what about people who want to join PHCP? And I know that Maya, right, I think Maya mentioned this, is that owners who have no interest in trimming their own horse, they're happy to have someone else do it. But maybe they want to pop in a webinar here or there or just support the organization. They, when they go to the join page, they just select joining as a supporting member. The, the cost is the same $60 annual fee and a $40 um, initiation fee. And they can get the discount on webinars. You know, I mean, they could still go work with mentors if they want, but they don't need to fill out the form with all the questions about entering the training program and your history and your goals and that sort of thing. If they decide at a later date that they actually want to do that, which several people have done, they can just fill out that form and they're already a member and join the training program. It just means when they're a supporting member, we're not tracking the clinics and the webinars and education that they're getting. But that said, we also, when people do join, they tell us that they have done it well. So, um, you know, people get credit for things they've done in the past. I've done that with a couple of high school girls who were very interested in learning hoof care. But since they're minors, they can't officially join PHCP. So they've attended my clinics. They've come to shadow or mentor with me kind of off the record, but I have my own little file set up for them at home for the day that they turn 18, that anything that they've done will be added into their profile that we set up for them. So same thing, they'll get retroactive credibility for whatever they've done. That's awesome. It's great. I have a couple of um, young girls now who have just went off to college who are going to be vets. And it's amazing because they've gone in with a really good grasp of what a healthy foot should look like. And even if I I keep telling them they're going to be podiatrists, but even if they don't specialize in podiatry, I think it will still help them when they go there for a lameness exam. And, and, you know, you wonder why your horse is tripping all the time. Well, look at his toes, you know, or, you know, just they'll, they'll know that that pathological foot is not normal. And um, I think that will really help them in their veterinary careers, whether, like I said, they do go into podiatry like I want them to, or they branch into another area that they happen to love. Yeah, perfect. Um, And I usually end each episode with um, if anybody has any last minute advice or uh, tips for horse owners or hoof care professionals as they're kind of navigating this whole journey of hoof care education? Um, I just want to say to owners, don't be afraid to learn yourself about the hoof because I would bet every one of us just about started with our own horse and having questions for our farrier and maybe not feeling like we were getting answers. And then when you start to learn a little bit about it, it it's not rocket science. Owners are completely capable of understanding what anatomy and what a healthy foot is, even if they don't want to trim themselves. 
it's it's just another thing that you should know as a horse owner about your horse and it's really empowering so that would be my tip yeah and don't give up it's it is doable it's possible for some people it takes a little longer but it's definitely something that i would say just don't give up the way that it's growing there's bound to be a clinic near you or or a new practitioner who moves to your area who will help you uh, it, it's just growing in leaps and bounds. You'll, you'll find your little group that can just help you move on. Yeah. My advice would be to someone who's maybe considering natural hoof care as a profession. I would say, give it a try, do a mentorship, join PHCP. It's not very expensive to join and just get started. You'll realize quickly if you catch the bug, <laughs> as we call it, and you want to keep going you'll figure it out pretty quick and then you can figure out how to go from there. But I think it's really important to start if you're brand new with an organization that has a good program that you can work through so that you get a good foundation. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you again. And I hope everybody has a good night. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Guys. Bye-bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.